0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the third episode of Kiln. My name is Micah. This is a podcast where we talk about creative habits, creativity, productivity, and discipline. Today I have Lindsay Wilkins. Lindsay, hello.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) It's good
0: to have you. Lindsay, before we start, can you explain to everybody what you do and uh, how you're currently employed right now?
1: Sure. So I my title is video editor, um, and I've been working in the documentary and commercial space now for a couple of years. Um, so I, essentially a video editor, works in the department called post-production. So after a crew goes out and shoots any sort of footage that they would be needing for commercial, documentary, short film, whatever um, you may have, they hand all that footage over to the post-production department, and we essentially take all of that footage and piece it together into something that um tells a story and so i mostly sit behind a screen all day and <laughs> chop up clips and chop sync chop. <laughs> audio and music and build out what um the final piece would be that you'd see on youtube instagram tv uh in a theater oh. etc
0: YouTube, Instagram, TV, and theater. (laughs)
1: Well, theater is, that's the big dream. That's the big dream is to have it in a theater. Yeah. Someday, a big, big life goal of mine is to sit in a theater and watch my work on the big screen. Oh, yeah,
0: nice. (laughs) That is awesome. Um, Before we get started with Mm -hmm. all of the other questions Mm -hmm. here, um, you are currently freelancing, Mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. How long ago was it that you quit? your previous job? And can you let people know where you were at before you started freelancing? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So my career started, uh, I was a production assistant just on a temp contract working for a small startup, uh, traditional advertising agency in Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And, um, my goal the entire time I was there was to make my way into the creative department, but I had no portfolio, not even a piece of work to show for myself. Oh. And I just said, Hey, I'll, uh, do any job that you want. There were only 13 employees at the time And, um, so I started doing everything from pinning up, um, printouts on whiteboards to picking up ketchup packets, uh, for (laughs) French fries and, um, everything in between. So it was a traditional PA role. And then, um, I had a really wild breakthrough moment and ended up in the creative department And, uh, I worked there for about a year and a half editing as an assistant editor. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just call it like a capital C creative role. Oh, and then (laughs) um, (laughs) it was technically in the creative department. So, um, they used, they leaned on us more than they would lean on a traditional video editor. Um, and I can expand on upon that later, but, um, did that for a while, quit my job, moved out to LA with. Uh, My best friend, no job, nowhere to live and not knowing another soul and uh, (laughs) got a contract editing at a boutique studio called Step Studios. And that's where I really got into the documentary and commercial space. Mm -hmm. Um, And I worked there for about two years and then I went freelance this past July. Um, So it has been about seven months of true freelancing out of my garage and I opened a little LLC and work under that and <laughs> try to get that built out as we yeah. speak. But, um, yeah, no, I'm just on my own.
0: Okay. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So go back to the beginning. Cause mm-hmm. this is great. Mm-hmm. You started with no portfolio. Mm-hmm. You started with picking up ketchup packets and running <laughs> coffee and like doing yep. all of that stuff. So yep. you heard it here first folks
1: here first, just
0: get your, get your foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Can you, was, was there a plan at that point? Mm.
1: That's a good question. So, I've known for a really long time that I wanted to be a writer. Mm -hmm. Um, That's really the end goal for me is to be able to write and hopefully direct uh, meaningful pieces of work that that encourage and provoke people to um, seek the answers to life's most important questions. So for me, um, especially being a person of faith, the questions that I care about are where did I come from? What am I doing here on Earth? And what's my purpose? And where am I headed? Yeah. And so for me, I think that filmmaking has the ability to do that. It has the ability to prompt those questions and do it in a very clever, um, uncontrived way. So mm-hmm. if I could do something well, it would be to write and, and make stories that encourage people to ask those questions. So going all the way back, the only plan was that the plan was, yeah. I just want to figure out how I can write meaningful <clears throat> work, um, that moves people. Yeah. And I was in a college class um, majoring in something called media studies, which was really just like theory of media. It was super boring. It was a terrible okay. major. Terrible okay. major. I terrible didn't learn major. anything about editing. I didn't learn anything about um, filmmaking. I mean, I was just studying like why the printing press mattered. It was uh, so boring. Yes. very
0: pertinent information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: it's, it's like the it's the equivalent of someone saying like, I've never once again used the Pythagorean theorem in real ah, life. Ah, yes, you know? there it you is. You know,
0: Sokotoa. Yes, yes, Sokotoa. I, So-katoa. I use
1: that on the no. Yeah, yeah, scroll. Um, And so I was in this class my senior year. A guy um, from my hometown came and presented who worked at a traditional ad agency mm-hmm. and I thought he had an interesting background, so I reached out to him. We chatted on the phone and about six months later I reached out to him again and I was like hey I've graduated I've got not much going on I just know that I want to be in the creative industry um, what are you up to and he was like we have started this new agency it's called Arts and Letters Creative Co and at the time it was just like a warehouse space like all sure. good startups begin concrete, you know, concrete floors, concrete white floors white walls massive windows yes. um, And I was like, well, great, I'm available. Can I help? And he was like, no, (laughs) Um, No not, not that, not that terrible, but um, he was like, we don't, I mean, we're just getting started. We have like no money, no employees. It's five of us plus, uh, at the time, uh, nine or eight other, um, kind of like contract workers. Sure. And I was 22 and had nothing to show for myself.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And so um, I kind of just kept knocking on the door. He connected me to a couple other people. Mm -hmm. He was like, you should talk to them, them, and them. And I kind of, I just kept pressing. And it turns out a lot of the people that I ended up talking to all ended up at this same shop down Uh the line. So I had some overlap there. And um, I remember how difficult it was to just get time with someone from that agency to prove that you know I could I could do something so very long story short uh, I am laying in my childhood bedroom and it's 11am and it's okay. I'm asleep and I got a call from this guy Okay, and he's like can you be in in 20 minutes and I live 20 minutes away uh,
0: perfect. A- and I have been waiting for months
1: <laughs> to get a call from him so I am like yep uh, no problem I'll yes, be, th- I'll I'm be there I'm awake and yep. ready to go yes not me laying in bed scrolling <laughs> on my phone so I hop out I sprint down there and very long story short he was like I have no idea what we will use you for but I think we can use you I said great so um at a very cheap rate I signed on to a six-month contract and was just like I'll do whatever sure. it takes so I did that for a while it was a really tough job um Just because everyone was so new and fresh, like they were trying to build Mm. a company and I, they took care of me so well, but at the same time I had never worked in the industry. It was really long hours and just everyone figuring it out as we went. And so because of that, um, it just took a lot of emotional, investment and, and energy to kind of sustain throughout that time. And mm-hmm. all the while I knew I wanted to be a traditional creative yeah. and I felt like I, there wasn't a clear path to that. Sure, so sure. that brings me to kind of my breakthrough moment, which was, um, we are, we were very, very lucky, but one of our first official clients was Google and wow, okay. it, it's, uh, the guy who founded the the agency had some connections there and he convinced them to kind of give us a shot. So we got, uh, with like probably, I mean, less than 20 people there at that point. Um, we got a chance to write some creative campaigns for Google and Mm -hmm. I was just back there in the corner, like taking notes, cleaning off whiteboards, like literally taking notes on meetings and, and ordering dinners for people and stuff like that. And, um, essentially they had gone out, they had, um, They had shot a bunch of footage, but the scripts weren't locked in Mm -hmm. and they didn't know what they were going to do with it. And the concept was that um, there would be these people in different scenarios. um, And we were going to be writing like the internal monologues going Uh, in on their heads. And the idea was that the Google assistant, which was our client at the time would be able to help them with their problems. So they went out and shot a bunch of these scenarios, but didn't have really scripts for them yet. And it was kind of a, it was kind of a tough moment because this was kind of like our first chance to show yeah. ourselves and we just hadn't cracked the code yet. So I, uh, went home that weekend and I took a couple clips that we shot <laughs> and I wasn't supposed to took some footage home with me and I wrote some scripts And I edited them together. I did the voiceover. I added the music, threw on some end cards and I emailed the founder of the company and I was like, I wrote these this weekend. What do you think? And, um, he watched, or so, so I got no response on email for like 48 hours and I was like, okay, I'm going to get fired. Like I took the footage. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And, uh, I submitted it to him and then I walked in Monday morning and I walked past his desk and he goes, Hey, and I go. Oh, hey. <laughs> and he goes, hey, I like some of that stuff that you made. And he was oh. like, I didn't know you could edit. And I was like, yeah, you know, I kind of learned it in college. Sure. And, and he was like, could you write a couple more of those? And I was like, sure. Yes. So, uh, I ended up writing a couple more scripts. We presented them to the client and the folks at Google loved them. And it yep. kind of just launched this whole creative campaign for them. We ended up doing a ton of, uh, traditional broadcast spots for them. And, um, over time I essentially kept pressing the people at this agency and I was like, look, I can do this more, but I can't kind of do both jobs. And they ended up offering me a full-time position as what they'd call like a creative editor. So someone who's kind of like writing, crafting and piecing it together. Um, and I worked there for a couple of years and that was great, but I knew ultimately I wanted to do, um, filmmaking. So traditional advertising is awesome, but it's not necessarily what I was looking to do. Mm -hmm. I wasn't um, as interested in commercial work as I was telling like longer form sure. n- narrative stories. Sure. So, um, that LA obviously comes into the equation there. And also I've always wanted to live in LA. So it was, it was two birds, one stone. And then the third bird was that my best friend got to come with me. Perfect. So I mm. got to, like all, so many great dreams fulfilled there. And, uh, the first, let's, let me think. So I was planning on staying with some family friends in El Segundo, California, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we got here, and after I quit my job in Richmond, I gave myself about three months of time to like travel, pack, prepare yeah. for the move. Yeah. And in that time, someone from my old agency texted me, and they were like, "Hey, there's this boutique studio that's presenting at our agency right now to kind of trying to win production work for us." Okay. And uh, they were like, "I think you'd really like them. They're kind of like action sports, long form documentaries. Sure. Um, seems like some good people." And uh, I was like, no way, I'd love to talk to them. And they were like, the only thing is they're not really in like L.A. They're in this tiny little beach town called El <laughs> Segundo, California. Like, hmm. And I was like, interesting. And I look on a map and where I was intending to live with some family friends was two blocks from this studio. Wow. I mean, like it just couldn't have been. Wow. Yeah.
0: Perfect. Yeah.
1: So I ended up meeting with their representative in, in Richmond, Virginia. And oh, okay. she convenient. was like, yeah, we can make some room, I think, introduce me. And so actually the first week I moved to L.A., I walked into Step Studios where I worked for a couple of years. And uh, they were like, we've got a project. Can you start Monday? And that's literally it. Boom. So I Boom. was had the great fortune of not working for like three days after uh, moving to L.A. And oh. then I found work really quickly, full time job there. And that's where I really started to cut my teeth in. Uh, more what's called branded content. So mm-hmm. um, nowadays, brands are looking to make something that's a little bit more cinematic, a little bit more long form. So a, a company like Facebook, Facebook for example, might say, "Oh, we found all these great stories of people who run small businesses who are using Facebook Business as a platform to grow their grow their company, and we'd love to tell stories of these these people." And yeah. so we would go out and we would shoot these short little documentaries, you know, three to five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, for the brand and the idea is that the product or the service isn't really at the forefront but it is a compelling story that incorporates the brand in some way Um, so I did a lot of that while I was there I did some traditional commercial work as well and one of our major clients was Oakley so did a lot of Oakley stuff Um, one of the coolest things was got to uh, do some work for Nike which is kind of like the uh I don't know the word. I feel like a lot of editors and people in post-production dream of getting to work with sure, Nike. So sure. that was super cool. Yeah. Um, and I felt like that's where I really started to learn the craft of editing mm-hmm. um, because it was longer, it was more stylized and I was having to do a lot more um, as an editor in that role than I was at the agency because at the agency that I first worked at, I had a traditional team around me, of art directors, copywriters, um, account managers, strategists, all these roles. And, and at this boutique studio, it was more like, here's the yeah, footage. It's, like, you.
0: it's you, man. Yeah, it's like, yeah. go
1: make something cool, yeah, is yeah. what it, it felt closer to. So I learned a lot about what people call story producing, like thinking about what the story is going to be, um, crafting it out, and then piecing it together. Sure. Um, and I felt like at that studio, after a couple of years, I kind of reached my ceiling there. Not that there wasn't more to learn, but more so that where I wanted to take my career I probably knew I was going to have to go do it on my own mm. um because there's only so high you can climb when you have like those traditional yeah. positions and roles that they're trying to fill yeah. um and yeah so that's that's that yeah so
0: you so you hit your ceiling mm-hmm. you come you at some point in time mm-hmm. in July mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. find out like okay it's time for me to move on mm-hmm. um what what were the you've told these to me before but mm-hmm. because the people don't know the people what yes what were what were the steps Mm-hmm. I know there's five. <laughs> what were the what were the five steps that it took <laughs> my for five you? Commandments. Your five commandments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lindsay's yeah. five commandments. What were the what were the five commandments yeah. for you before you left? Mm-hmm, Cuz mm-hmm. I know them in my head. I can see them. You know I can them see the yeah. text, but like I think it's a good resource. Mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. were those five things?
1: Yeah, so those five things were things that I just came up with on my own. They were the five criteria that I wanted to have before quitting my full-time job. So, um a couple of things. One was I knew ultimately my career was headed in the direction of freelance. So I had been thinking for a long time about what that was going to look like. So mm-hmm. I had, um, I was very fortunate to be able to look a year down the line and think, okay, probably at the end of 2021, I'm going to want to be on my own. And I ended up quitting about six months earlier than that. Cause I was ready. But, um, in that a couple of things happened. One about, um, a year into, my job, uh, COVID hit and they furloughed us all. So I was forced into a, a, a brief spurt in the freelance life. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm furloughed from my staff job at this studio. I need to go find work. So I started reaching out to people saying, Hey, do you have two weeks of work, a month's worth of work? Yeah. Um, started reaching out, got a, quite a few jobs, honestly. Um, thank God, the pandemic was quite good for people like me because everyone was looking to make new content because everyone was home. Mm. And so there was actually a huge demand um, all of a sudden. Uh, Despite not being able to shoot, um, In person, people came up with the most creative ways to put out new content. Yeah. It was kind of incredible, yeah. like remote directing and taking old footage that had been shot or or everything being ripped from YouTube or whatever it yeah. is um, legally, of course. Legally um, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was kind of forced into the freelance life for a couple months. And then when my staff job hired us back full time, I was like, you know, I kind of want to keep this going. Like it's extra money. Yeah, I'm getting more things on my portfolio. Um, and I just kind of, it's a gig industry. So I was enjoying getting to do different gigs. So I was working full time again and just keeping a couple freelance jobs going on the side. And that brings me to my criteria. So I was looking to the end of 2021 and I thought, okay, the five things that I want to have before I jump are, um, I want to have a present work opportunity that I can jump for. So, uh, in mid June, I think Um, this company or this production company approached me about doing about three months of work at a really great rate. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, so if I quit now, I know I have three months of work right there at a rate that's significantly higher than my full-time job. So that could even probably get me through a couple more months. Mm -hmm. Um, That was the first thing. The second thing I wanted was a Proof that I had multiple people knocking at my door. So at that same time, not only did I have that guaranteed three months of work, but I had a lot of people in my email inbox um, starting to reach out. Hey, are you freelance? Hey, are you available for this? Hey, we have this job or we heard of you or you yeah. were referenced yeah. uh, by someone that we know. So I had a, got quite a couple of people who had emailed me at that point, like whenever you're freelance, let us know because we have a ton of work. Um, so I had that happening. I wanted to have at least three months worth of savings that I could comfortably get through essentially three months without working and not stress. And then the other two things are just more personal, but I wanted to have it uh, really prayed through. So I just did a lot of prayer and asking God what the direction was that he wanted for my life Mm -hmm. and um, that I would just have peace about whatever the move is next. And then the last thing was confirmation from trusted, uh, trusted people in my life and kind of the big tipping point honestly was my dad who is very risk averse. He loves, he's very logical. He loves to think through every step. He's, he's not really taking, he's not really the biggest risk taker. And I called him and I was like, what do you think? And he was like, I absolutely think you should do this. You should Uh leave. And I was like, okay, like if he thinks so, and he thinks it's wise, someone who is probably less risky than me by a bit, then I think this is probably right. So all five kind of popped up in the matter of a couple months. And uh, lastly, which is kind of a beautiful thing is um, we all went remote at the beginning of COVID and COVID really proved that something you thought couldn't be done remote, which is sitting at an edit bay with servers and, um, all the footage that you would need to make something. Um, it, it proved that you really could do that from your garage, which mm. was kind of a massive breakthrough for our industry. And, uh, my company in, in about July, was like, we're ready to go back in person. And I, I realized I can do this really all from my garage. Yeah. Um, and so it was kind of the final stride. It was very th- thankful that COVID proved way this can be kind of done from anywhere yeah um it's not as convenient all the time but once you kind of get a workflow figured out it's basically just the same yeah 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 yeah. yeah. that's
0: a good that's a good segue Mm -hmm. because i want to talk about workflow Mm -hmm. as a as an editor Mm -hmm. and as a myself as a photographer the importance of workflow is like time Mm -hmm. and and the more time you can save and the the less stress it is on you like give me more workflow tips. So like, Mm. what are your, what are some things even, even during COVID? Cause that's, I didn't, I didn't know that that was a thing that you needed that amount of stuff to edit. So what, what are some tips, even just from COVID up until now, have you, what are new things Mm. you've incorporated into your workflow that have maybe helped?
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a great question. And I imagine same thing for, yeah, editors. I mean, I'm sorry, photographers and other people who are working with any type of media. Mm. Um, I mean, it's definitely, it was definitely a challenge, the workflow question to figure out in the beginning. Um, even simple things like when you've got five roommates all on one Wi-Fi, what does mm-hmm. that mean for someone who needs to download 500 gigs of footage, you know, yeah, or a yeah. terabyte of footage? Um, so I definitely le- am learning that as I go. But um, a couple things that I've started to do is, um, I've realized like the project management side of things is is all on me at this mm-hmm, point. So mm-hmm. um I I am I'm a very systemized person, but I I'm figuring out those systems. It, it's not like they're all like yeah. set in place, yeah. and I'm like, oh, here's this system that um, I totally anticipated. Yeah, it just it's, works. Yeah, it just works. Sure. Um, so in terms of workflow, a couple things is I um, I love to get, and this probably sounds basic, but I love to get as much information as possible on the upfront. So for mm-hmm. example, I want to know how much um, footage I'm going to be dealt for example, because sometimes like I need to download something over the course of a whole night. So, yeah, yeah. um, it's it, getting as much information as possible about what they're shooting. Um, and what I'm going to be receiving, the media I'm going to be working with. Because um, sometimes I'll get put back a day or two just yeah. waiting on footage to download, and then your internet goes out. And
0: yeah. And you're like, oh, yep. And then you have to start all over. So <laughs> the whole thing.
1: that's a big one is just anticipating the type of project that's coming down the line and doing everything you can before it's actually go time. Yeah. Um, another thing I would say is I am now starting to as I'm starting to get a little bit bigger, I'm starting to keep track of all my physical hardware that I just Mm. wasn't even thinking about doing, but then I'm, then I was looking in my, in my little setup and I saw, I was like, I have no idea where these cords came from. I mean, they could literally be from anyone. And if they told me, I just give it to them because I don't know. And so I realized, okay, I've got probably 25 hard drives now and people are handing me equipment all the time. And so I have a physical tracker. That's just like, okay, on this date, I received this hardware from this person, They provided a shipping label at this time. Um, So a literal tracker of hardware has been a big one for me, just being a one person shop. Um, And same thing with like projects. I've now track, like I have project numbers for everything. I track the date I sent invoices, Mm -hmm. um, how much, uh, if there was um, like when I told them that I need to be paid by, et cetera, et cetera. So like all the high level agreements that I've made with clients are all in a big tracker. Um, another massive thing that helped me is I hired a CPA, um, mm-hmm. to help me form my LLC and then they do all of my tax. He does all of my taxes at this point, And, um, I can consult him very freely on what I can write off. What's the best investment for my yeah. business? Um, yeah the state of California will send you, or not even the state of California, people pretending to be the state of California, Mm. which is very different. (laughs) Um, We'll send you things in the mail, like you need to, you need to pay this and this and this and this. And then if you look at the fine print, you see, oh, I don't have to. So having someone at a high level who can consult on what's really required to establish in um, California has been a massive help. And he took care of really all the all of that stuff for me. And I just dump him a Google drive of like everything. And I'm like, you do it. So (laughs)
0: please, please,
1: I don't think it's worth the headache and stress and it's only 400 bucks a year. So in the scheme of things to get it right and not have to worry about that has been huge for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then another big thing that is probably my favorite part of freelancing and workflow is, um, oftentimes people will come to you with projects and they'll say, we're thinking of doing it on these dates. And a lot of times there's a conflict or a personal thing that conflicts that I would prefer not to miss. And one of the biggest things I've realized in this industry is one, almost always when people come to you with project dates, they're flexible Mm. and you just would not know it. And so sometimes I'll just be like, hey, I can't do it then, but here's a chunk of time I'd be happy to do it. And I'm telling you, I haven't lost out on a job yet. Like everyone makes you think their deadline is the most important and it's really not. And then the second thing is, um, asking for, I, I, you have to kind of figure out with each client how to do it. But the number of times I've had a deadline on a day Mm -hmm. and I'm like, man, if I had one more day, it would be that much better. And I ask, almost always the deadlines that they've given you are fake. Like, it's mm. just like, this is to keep us on track. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah. if you give me one more day, it is going to get us so much further down the line. Yeah. Because um, oftentimes these jobs are are rushed. They're rushed jobs almost always. Mm-hmm. And so um, I've just learned a lot about what it means to ask for flexibility. Because you kind of just assume... That it's all rigid, but yeah. usually in the world of video, no one's life is on the line, so
0: you can. Boom, <laughs> that's good. Usually, Let's like
1: Instagram can wait a day, yes. uh, or YouTube a day. or yes. whatever. The only the only exception would be uh, like broadcast TV is is more strict on that because um, if you're trying to make a specific event like the NHL finals, sure. you know that's happening on a day. That's happening you on a day. Can't move that back. You can't move that back. Or like. I've done some really interesting things where they're trying to put out a piece in relation to a current event, so you uh, have to you have to move quickly. That's a little quick, quick, yep, quick. Yeah, or like um, in May, I'm going to be doing this kind of cool job. So, uh, Cartier, the diamonds brand, they. Yeah. Uh, sponsor, or they sponsor, I guess the Met Gala and they put their diamonds on all these celebrities. Uh, and so that makes a lot of sense. I just put
0: two and two together yeah. in my head right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Got it. And so okay.
1: I don't think, I mean, I don't think the celebrities get to keep them, but they dress them in Cartier and then, um, they bring all these, you know, a- this sounds snooty, but they like bring all these A-listers in. And, uh, I got hired to do this job where, This company, uh, this studio is going to be filming all these celebrities and then um, they're going to, at the Met Gala that night, and then Cardi takes the diamonds back, and (laughs) they dump all of the footage uh, to me and a couple other editors who are all going to be set up in a hotel room and we're going to work through the entire night and put out like finished pieces the next morning of like, look at whoever in Cartier diamonds at the Met Gala last night, you know? Um, but it's going to be in this stylized version that it looks, it will look like a commercial you'd see on TV. Uh, So it's not just like behind the scenes. It's like, it's as if we were in a studio, like shooting Mm -hmm, with these mm -hmm. people advertising their diamonds so sure. um it sounds so like i hate saying that all of those words together met gala and everything but, gala, but that's a good example of where jobs happen super quickly yeah i mean we're just just not gonna sleep and work through the night yeah and it's gonna be awesome though
0: that's gonna be great um
1: and like you know doing stuff for major sporting events is a big one that i've taken a part in where it's just it's just a rush yeah. so or beating black happening. friday yep yeah needed by a certain date exactly so
0: so in 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 tandem with like workflow mm-hmm. what what do you what ways do you plan you talked about anticipating mm-hmm. the type of work that you're going to get mm-hmm. and setting up in advance so that you can when it's go time it's go time mm-hmm. what what ways do you what ways have you overplanned?
1: Mm, that's a great question that is a great question. Um, in the, maybe in
0: the past, maybe mm-hmm. not now, maybe you're kind of past it, but maybe in the past, no. what were ways do you over, what yeah. were ways do you overplan? plan?
1: I would say one thing is if clients are giving you any room to make your own schedule, take it. Like mm. I used to totally defer to the client and be like, Hey, what's the, what's the production schedule on this? And sure. I mean, naturally as a client, you're going to want, to get the most out of the fewest days so they're gonna be like "Mm, can you swing this in two days and And i'm like "Mm, no no. (laughs) so i would say a a major thing and this kind of goes back to a point i made earlier which is um is uh, pushing for uh the time that you need or even a little extra time knowing um almost always in these things you lose a day because the footage didn't sink or you lose a day because they had to go up and do a pickup shoot and all the footage can't get to you or you lose a day because FedEx is running behind like literally anything. Anything, um, So I would say, like I said, one major thing would be um, making your own schedule, anticipating you're probably going to lose a day or two in any given, uh, at least post-production job. And I think it's all relative measure. So um, let's say I know it's going to take me four days to complete a three minute piece. Then I'd probably give myself two weeks to complete Mm -hmm. a 10 minute piece or whatever it may be. Um, and it just grows and grows and grows from there. So that'd be one thing. Um, uh, silly things that, uh, also have that involve planning, um, are things like getting business insurance, which I just got help with. Um, so now I am fully insured and, and can, Protect against uh, any losses. I suppose I don't know much about insurance, but <laughs> I but, suppose. But um, I think. it seems to me yes. that now my hardware is covered. If I were to be sued, it would you know it would be covered. Those types yeah. of things. Yeah. Um, or if I were to get sick or injured or my equipment were to be destroyed, I uh, could essentially afford to pay myself sure. the days lost. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. And then other things in terms of like, uh, in terms of thinking ahead is I'm, I'm someone who genuinely enjoys networking and connecting with others, Mm -hmm. but no knowing I was likely heading in the freelancing direction. I was honestly keeping up with folks all across the industry over the course of probably about a year and a half where I was, I just wanted to be top of mind that whenever it was time to leap, I could confidently circle right back and say, Hey, I'm freelance now. And it wouldn't even be like, we missed a beat from our last conversation. Um, and then looking further down the line, I think, um, you know, now it's kind of crazy, but now I'm starting to think about what it'd be like to have like maybe someone helping me,
0: Mm -hmm. um, a a little
1: assistant, assistant, maybe an assistant editor, maybe some sort of project manager role. Um, and so I've just, I've started to rattle around and, um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know if there are any plans for that quite yet, but i um, i think I'm usually thinking half a year in advance. Sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. So the the possibility is there. It's there. In layman's terms, that's scaling. Folks. That's for people who don't know <laughs> what that is. That's scaling. <laughs> So Not a little bit about scale. So you you can you can imagine in about six months, which would put you at about a year from the start. Mm-hmm. You freelanced. You would mm-hmm. probably look to maybe scale a little bit. Potentially,
1: yeah, nice. yeah. It, and it depends on how much I would want to work and how much I'd be okay handing over some of that work to paying someone else. Um, but you know, the end goal would be to uh, have more of a collective of people who could jump in. Mm. Um, I know actually a couple editors now who. It seems to me that they are editing, everything that's coming out is coming out under their name, but they do have people under them supporting or working, Uh and they're kind of like the final say approval, but um, that's something that's kind of interesting to me, but honestly, I see myself... More being in that creative director role and allowing other people to jump in on the actual, actual editing yeah. um, technical side of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. So that's I don't want to be behind the screen mm. for my entire life. I yeah, don't think it
0: doesn't yeah. sound like it. Nah, you want to be in front of some some board members. Some board. <laughs> the C suite <laughs> talking to them about their story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So, uh, in in uh, writing is a strong suit you'd say mm-hmm. that you have. Yes. Mm-hmm. So do you do you have to write all the time is it is it something that you make a habit of doing mm-hmm. writing or we can call it storytelling mm-hmm. is it something that you find you have to do aside from editing right because mm-hmm. we kind of we have to condition these skills yeah do you find yourself writing all the time do you find yourself telling stories all the time i don't mm-hmm. know what that looks like but mm-hmm. do you find yourself writing all the time
1: it's mm. a really Really good point. Um, I, I I journal daily, which is just a nice little exercise to get my thoughts out of my head. But mm-hmm. when it comes to creative writing, no, that's not a muscle. I'm flexing nearly as much as I want to be. And to be honest, I think a lot of that just comes from the fatigue of feeling like I'm doing it all day through the editing sure. that I'm doing. So like I said, in the role that I'm in now, um, my role isn't just being the editor who pieces things together, but taking all the footage and crafting the story from it. Cause a lot of times I'm finding uh, folks go out and shoot things and they don't even know what story it is that they want to yeah. tell. And so it's on me to kind of f- find that out. Yeah. Um, however, something that I would love to start doing is I, I know that I, a, a goal of mine for this year is to be writing more about um, the topics of where faith, culture and politics intersect. And that's mm-hmm. more of like um, more in the way of like article writing okay. or, um, I guess you would call it nonfiction or opinion perspective, but, um, I have started specifically, I've started one long form screenplay that, um, I think has some legs, but I actually am considering making it a short film first, Mm. um, which is what a lot of people actually do. One of my favorite movies, short term 12 was a, I think it was a, a less than a 20 minute short film and it, it proved to have the legs and they turned it into a feature length and and it, it ended up being like Brie Larson's breakout role um oh, and wow. it was it was one of those things where this kind of no-name indie director did something on a super tight budget um proved that it could work and then they brought it to essentially the uh blockbuster theater yeah. so um that's the type of thing that i think i'm really thinking about for 2022 is how can i make a couple short films sure um and see if any of them narratively have the legs but yeah. um yeah i am not writing creatively nearly as much as i should be or as i want to be sure um
0: but you know it's just time. Just it's time. time. We're 6 months down the road. We're
1: 6 months down the road. Yeah, I'm still figuring things out yeah. like business
0: insurance. Business insurance.
1: <laughs> and uh, yeah, what's expensible and what's not expensable. Sure. So I'm Absolutely. learning. Yeah.
0: Um what So that's interesting cuz mm-hmm. you don't write a whole lot. No. Would would you say that do no do most people in your role write at all? Like do do most people in your role would you say write? Mm. maybe more than you do? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that there's something really interesting has been happening in the film industry um, as of late, which was um, before probably, I would say YouTube and before Adobe Creative Suite, okay. um, there were really rigid and specific roles for people in filmmaking. As far as I can tell, I mean, yeah. I wasn't around during that time, but it's like, if you were an editor, you were an editor and you were working on one of a couple programs that was expensive and had to be mm-hmm. run through a massive machine. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's what you did. Or if you were a writer, you were a writer. If you were a, uh, uh director of photography you were director of photography. Yeah. Now, I think with the combination of Adobe making filmmaking and kind of creative work, more accessible and affordable, many, many people, um, have learned a multitude of skill sets. And mm. so now I would say that a lot of the editors that I know are also directors or vice versa, okay. or are also, uh, DPs or vice versa. Like I, I'm just seeing this breakdown of a lot of filmmakers who, who can actually do it all yeah. and do it all well. So, um, a lot of my editor friends are also pursuing the directing path and are writing fairly consistently. I've got a couple friends who um, have you know short films and festivals and things like that. Um, really impressive work. And I, I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. Um, but also a little bit. I guess to to their credit, they um, I, I would say have been in the industry a bit longer or have gone to film school or something like that. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm honestly looking to them as as people that um, are kind of blazing that path ahead of me. Of how yeah. are they breaking? How are they making these short films yeah. and? Um, So, yeah, I would say that there's been quite a breakdown now and a a lot of people, if you go on their websites or their reels or their portfolios, it'll say writer, director and editor, not just I'm a director. Yeah. Um, And personally, I think in my experience, the best directors, which is kind of what everyone wants to be in a sense, the best directors are the ones that really know how to edit Mm -hmm. and really know how to shoot. That was my follow up question. So keep going. Because I think
0: I think there's a misconception here, like Mm -hmm. Lindsay has to just be a great editor, period. Mm And then that's it. Mm-hmm. But you find that these guys who are, we we can call it at the top of the food chain, mm-hmm. can edit just as well as any of their editors, mm-hmm. who can go out and scout a location just as well as any of their other DPs, mm-hmm. who can go out and be a PA if he needed to be a mm-hmm. PA. And they do it better than anybody else yeah. does. Like yeah. they, it doesn't really get any better than that. Yep. So you would call this maybe an advantage in this situation mm-hmm. where you find that doing these multiple things is actually extremely helpful for everybody working underneath them. Yeah. Because you know that they have they can do it. You you know, like, okay, well, if Lindsay was going to come down here and edit, like, she'd smoke me, so I, mm-hmm. this needs to be good. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I know that, you know, she's not going to take any BS from me because she's done this before, mm-hmm. and she knows what needs, what it looks good, and she knows all the excuses I have in my head. Right, right. So I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't come out here and say, oh, well, this didn't work, or right. I didn't right. have time to do this. I'm like, well, you could have asked for an extra day, and now yep. we're here, and now we have an issue. Like exactly, like yeah.
1: And it's it's fascinating, because obviously, you know, you've probably heard Jack of all trades, Master of None yes. is kind of the... Um, the, what do they call this? Uh, An an idiom. Ah, An idiom. Um, I actually know. That's not an idiom. That's just like a cliche. I don't know. Jack of all trades, master of none. So I've heard that many times, but it's it's fascinating because at least in my experience, which it does not speak for the whole industry, is I am finding that there are a lot of jack of all trades, master of all, Mm. which is kind of surprising because you can only get so good at something. But I think that Like I said, because Adobe has made filmmaking like the Adobe creative suite has made filmmaking and every part of filmmaking a lot more accessible Mm. um, financially and Mm. to just like a student sitting in a library basement in a college, which is where I learned how to edit. Yeah. Um, That has broken down uh, a lot of the traditional roles. And then secondly, like I think and I, I don't know this for sure, but I think that a lot of traditional filmmakers used to go to film school and and honestly, it sounds so lame and I hate it, but I think that things like TikTok and Instagram and YouTube have proven to people that you can actually make some pretty cool stuff on your own. Yeah. And so uh, it's it's kind of an interesting problem because those platforms definitely saturate the industry because everyone is a maker, everyone is a content creator, sure. and there is sure. a much, much, much bigger um, barrier to entry to stand out. I mean, mm. like everyone's making good stuff. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's insane. Like I have a saved um, folder on my Instagram. And I'm like, I cannot just believe how much good stuff is out there. Um, so in that sense, it's, it's a good problem and a bad problem. It's harder to cut through, but at Mm. the same time, it gives everyone a platform to create. And I would say that a lot of the people that I work with just started there. They are like, I'm going to go make a ski film. Like I'm just going to film my friend skiing, doing some cool tricks throwing back a beer at the end of the day and that was a ski film <laughs> or I'm going to go make a skate film or a surf yeah. film. And it's yeah. like, I don't know if you look, I don't know if people watch surf films on YouTube or anything, but now it's like, Oh, I wake up and I make my coffee and then very I, lifestyle. yeah, it's a very lifestyley, but it's, it's, I mean, everyone's a creator now. So, sure. um, yeah, I would say, I would say that at least in my view, I do believe I'll be a better writer and director the better I am at editing because I will understand what needs to be shot and crafted in order to make it actually come together. Because you can tell so quickly as an editor, directors who are not thinking about the finished piece. Mm. Oh my gosh. It's it's unreal. You get it and you're Mm. like, were they even like considering how this would all go yeah, together, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and some people I really don't think are, I think yeah. they're just out there shooting what they think looks cool, yeah. which is not how to build story. Sure. So, sure. Yeah. There's a,
0: this reminds me of an interesting story. Mm-hmm. I forgot what book I read this because yeah. I'm reading a lot of books. You're right reading right. a lot of books. Yeah. I'm reading a lot of books. Uh-huh. Right I have a little library now. Huh? This, um, this American car company was building cars on their assembly line. Mm-hmm. They'd get to the end, put the door on and they'd have somebody at the end with a mallet to knock the door in place to make sure that it was mm-hmm. in place. The similar car company making similar cars in Asia, same thing, Mm -hmm. no door guy, Mm -hmm. no, no guy with a mallet at the end (laughs) of the assembly line knocking the door in place. So they're like, like, what's good? Like same assembly lines, pretty much the same car. Mm -hmm. Like, and they're like, what's, what's good? Like, why, why don't you have a mallet guy at the end knocking to make sure the door is good. And these guys in Asia were like, well, we just designed the door to fit. There's no reason to knock it in place. (laughs) Like Uh it just fits. Uh It's designed to fit. Mm -hmm. So. Even from the start, this is mm. good. We're on the same page mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. You would, a distracted director doesn't maybe might not create better footage because he doesn't know how to engineer it mm-hmm. to get to a finished product. Yep. So what are this is maybe too niche, but I'm gonna no, ask go the question for it. anyway. Go what for it. what kinds of like what are telltale signs? You mm-hmm. said a director who maybe doesn't know what the finished product is going to look like. What are like two things off the top of your head? I got them already. Go.
1: Okay. The first thing is transitions. Like directors who are not thinking about how do we move from one scene to another. It's, It's so obvious to me. Um, and that can be something that really does. It really takes you out of the world of the film when the transitions aren't clean, so clean that they're not noticeable. Mm. And oftentimes I can tell when a director doesn't know what they're doing because they're not thinking about how do we get from one moment to the next without it jarring the viewer. So that'd be a big one. Yeah. And then the second one is establishing shots. So that's just your traditional, like, environmental shots. For example, like I, you know, we were doing this piece about this family in, um, shoot, where was it? Let's just say it was Tucson, Arizona. Okay. And we needed to know that they were in Tucson, but there was no footage of like anything related to Tucson. Like, it was like to
0: Tucson AZ. Like yeah, a sign.
1: exactly. Or like literally just some Hills to put a sure. little title card over like sure. Tucson. Yeah. Um, and it wouldn't matter if it didn't matter that the family was in Tucson. But in this instance, it's like if you've just got a family sitting at a kitchen table, but it is so important for whatever reason to the story that we know yeah. the city they're from, sure. and we have nothing to indicate that, yeah. um, then the editors have to get
0: really creative. Very interesting.
1: Um, So I would say establishing shots, just things that put us in the scene a little bit more. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, it's like a, po- like a post 9-11 short film without telling people you're in New York. Exactly. You're it's like,
1: exactly. That's a perfect way of putting make any it. Sense. Yep. That's a little
0: hyperbolic. No, Sorry, no, everybody. but that's, that's what I think of. In yeah. my head. It's like,
1: exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then the other thing I would say is, uh, and this, now this has to do sometimes with budget. Like you can't always have multiple cameras. You can't mm-hmm. always have multiple operators. Um, but a thing that really helps an editor is, um, multiple angles and I know that sounds so basic but actually with how the industry is moving and how tight the budgets are now and how things are very run and gun they call it um you'd be amazed at how much how, how frequently I just get footage it's just like one long stream like <laughs> no cutting no th- like setups it's literally like set something up get a couple seconds and run to the next spot as the camera wow. is rolling and that makes it really hard for an editor because um there is no Uh, there's no way to really cut around that like you
0: have to Got somebody running around exactly
1: hmm. yeah and there's no way to thoughtfully move back and forth um and it it doesn't give the eye a break if you're at the same angle with the same lens um kind of from the same position the whole time like editors Mm -hmm. love i mean that's the whole point is you may not notice it when it's happening but like when you're watching any sort of film or video um your eye it needs a break from looking at the same thing over and over again. Otherwise you're going to get bored with the story. Um, And so, you know, those are just a couple off the top of my head that I notice.
0: Good directors. For sure. Take note.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm not even, you know, I'm not even there yet, but I can say at least from an editor's perspective, those are things that really help us on the back end. They Um, matter a lot. Yeah. But you know, I think that's true in any sort of art. Like um, I think about, you know, good writing has good transitions and beats. Um, I think about illustration, like giving the eye a break composition, um, like different color dynamics working together. I think, I I don't know. I think I have learned a lot about, um, general storytelling and kind of compelling messaging through this industry. But I think any creative could take this and, um, I think any cr- creative could take some of these principles and apply them to yeah, their, and use them to their work. Yeah. Cause
0: one of the, one of the ways that I fight and, and this is a follow up question. Mm-hmm. One of the, one of the things that I, I like is what do we rebel against? Cause without mm. anything to rebel against, we almost don't exist. Creators, mm. are, creators almost have no role because mm. there's nothing to sit out here and go, no, I'm going to make something different than that because mm. I want to be different. Yeah. Um, we call that tension. Ooh,
1: tension.
0: <laughs> tension. So um, I almost lost my train of thought. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Rebelling. W- rebelling. <laughs> thank you. So when you look at a project, what are some ways that you rebel? Taking this away from mm-hmm. a maybe director, mm-hmm. because it sounds like directors can't really rebel from those things. W- we, would right. mm-hmm. we would rather a director not rebel against good transitions. Right. Because they're extremely important. We would rather a director not rebel against a what do we call it the opening shot
1: oh establishing establishing Uh shot uh because
0: that's extremely important Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. what are are some things that are you've found because you've been in this industry for a while Mm -hmm. you've had time to maybe test and try something Mm -hmm. and maybe bend a rule here Mm -hmm. cut a corner here maybe not cut a corner that sounds wrong but maybe bend a little bit what are some things that you found you can rebel against and it's okay Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's a good question and i even going back a little bit to that point, like what you said about the things that I love, like, or I think make a good director. It's interesting because all those things that I said, like transition and establishing shots and, um, those things that really help an editor, I want to say like yes to all of that because I said it. And then also on the reverse, if the directors are deliberately not doing all of those things and it's meaningful and important and intentional, that Mm. also works. You know, it's just like that in between that drives us crazy where it's like, you weren't thinking about this either way, like either cut against it and cut against it. Cause you mean to, or do it right. But yeah. there, I find a lot of people who are in the middle ground of like, I don't really know what I'm doing, so I'm uh, just gonna shoot this you'd stuff. You not be there. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, give me, give like, be specific about your choices. Yes. And that's probably a more general and appropriate way of describing all of this. Is uh, the most fun thing to do as an editor is, uh, help bring the director's deliberate choices to life. And Mm. so if they make choices, um, and they're specific, it's, it's fun for an editor work within that box or criteria for creativity. Um, so to answer your question going all the way back, I would say now a couple things. Um, right now there is a huge trend. I think a lot of it comes from like the, Advent of streetwear coming back and like sneaker culture, skate culture, surf culture is all mm-hmm. huge right now. Um I, even if you look around at like how much more uh tattoos and piercings and dyed hair and yeah. mullets and all of these kind of like edgy trends have come to the forefront. I would say that filmmaking's really um kind of adapted to that. Like 10 years ago, a Nike ad would have been like a very fit. Very clean, quote, basic looking woman in some neon leggings doing something semi athletic. And sure. now Nike has totally switched their messaging, and everyone's in streetwear and it's gritty, and people yeah. have like, diagonal bangs and like pink <laughs> wow. hair. And um, I don't know if you've noticed this. I have just cause being in the industry, but sure. like models now like are much more androgynous. Yes, you've yes, got men yes. looking like women, women looking like yes. men, different body sizes, um, lots of diversity in terms of uh, like look, um, skin color like I said body sizes so all that to say I think the trendy thing right now is to bring that kind of street style and grit to editing Mm -hmm. I think you'll notice it with like everyone's bringing back film and VHS recordings and super eight stuff. super eight stuff is huge right now um and like people who are I think intentionally cast to look like rebels um so i would say that actually the thing i've been thinking about right now is just how to make like a clean not over stylized film which is crazy Mm. because i think everyone for a while was like how can i cut through and do something really unique and cutty and like loud. And, um, I was actually, I'm actually doing a a short documentary for a friend right now. And it's a very clean understated style. And Mm. I realized actually how difficult it was for me Mm. to think in that way, Mm. because I'm so used to this very like hypey, um, commercial stylized type of work. And so, um, now I'm almost going back to the beginning thinking about like, what are the principles of just original filmmaking? That's, um, um not trying too hard to yeah. be stylized yeah, so that'd yeah, be a big yeah, thing yeah. um i think another thing that drives me nuts is a lot of people now especially because everyone's competing for attention and space on social media is that the opening hook has to be super catchy and you have to suck people in immediately with yeah. something flashy and it kind of goes that's kind of like my original point but i like things that breathe and mm. i like things that take time mm. and i personally like overextended dramatic moments silence yeah. Yeah. like yeah. Yeah, yeah. quiet and i you know I, I get feedback a lot that's like eh, the first 30 seconds of this isn't hooky enough mm. and i'm like sometimes you don't want it be yeah, that way. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you want a 30 second opening shot cuz it's yeah. gorgeous and yeah. it builds tension and drama. So, those are some things that I'm thinking about incorporating. Um and I'm trying to think about other rebel <laughs> little, little, little rebellions. Little rebellions. Yeah. Those two come to mind. Those are two big ones. That's yeah, good. Yeah. And
0: and uh, I think we can end on this note here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is my final question. Sure. It's like you 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 like a cleaner simpler smoother it's something that breathes and i love that Mm -hmm. because breathing has rhythm Mm -hmm. and breathing is natural to humans so this this thing that's on the screen comes alive and you feel like maybe you can relate to it in some way Mm -hmm. what are what are some things that are like a signature for you Mm. on a piece that you edit Mm. that's like the first thought that came to mind as i'm thinking about like as i as i also do brand strategy for those of you who don't know and Mm -hmm. it's like differentiate or die like mm. that's the that's the very hyperbolic way to put it but mm. if you're not differentiating you're you're dead you become a commodity mm. so what are ways that when i look at something that's edited by mm-hmm. Lindsay Wilkins what's a p- what's what are maybe a couple of signatures that we can maybe mm. look for in something that you make
1: that's such a good question um and I think that's something that I am figuring out as I go because sometimes clients will come to you and they'll be like this is the style we want to replicate yeah. and you're like okay now I'm just kind of cutting for someone else
0: sure it's a style but sure one of
1: the beautiful things is I th- found myself having to essentially edit for someone else a lot more when I was working full time. Now when people are coming to me as a freelancer, much, much, much more frequently it's, Hey, we like your style and we want you to bring that to this piece. Like we're hiring you for your perspective and point of view as opposed to the opposite, which was like, kind of like you're a, a little bit like a a wheel and a cog just trying to replicate the style that we want. Yeah. yeah, Which, you know, two ways of doing it. Right. But so to answer your question, um, and this is gonna sound weird and abstract but I think probably the first thing that came to mind for me is I think all of my pieces consistently have a sense of warmth to them. Mm. Um, I think that comes a lot down to color like um, I, I gravitate a lot toward yellows and blues in shots and I've noticed that throughout my work um, but particularly, I think you get that a lot in natural landscapes. So um, something that I found kind of across all of mine is even if the work itself isn't about uh, kind of the natural world, I find myself always wanting to incorporate that in one way or another. Mm. And I know that sounds pretty abstract, but mm. um, on top of that, I would say a warmth and story, yeah. um, you know, for better or for worse most of the things I gravitate toward are not super depressing (laughs) a little bit more on like the uplifting, empowering side of things or like a hopefulness. So, um, those things, I, I would say another thing that you'd probably notice with me is there is a specific, um, intention around the music. So okay. I, I think most good editors probably have to have this. So I'd be shocked if, if people disagreed with this, sure. but, um, for me, uh, music is, is a huge part of it. And also knowing on the reverse when to incorporate silence mm-hmm. or just a total, yeah, total quiet, like a break in that, mm-hmm. um, they call it wall to wall when something either has music the whole way throughout or like voiceover the whole way throughout. Yeah. Um, there's one of my favorite quotes Johnny Carson the old late night host um, someone was talking about why he makes such a good interviewer and they commented that he was very comfortable with silence and how he would ask a question um, and maybe someone would answer and he would allow for there to be a pause or a breath mm. and and for me I think being specific about when there's silence and when there's noise in filmmaking is really important Yeah. Um, and then as you know right now I would say that a lot of my st- the the projects that I've been on have usually had a a like female or feminine lead or protagonist or that's like the person you're looking at. And I don't know if it's just because people are like you're mm. a
0: girl, you would like this. You would
1: like <laughs> this, which has happened to me. I mean, sure, I've literally sure. had people be like, "We have this makeup client, yes. and because you're a girl, literally, because you're a girl, I think you would like this makeup client." I'm like, like okay, I mean, sure, yeah. but I can.
0: I'll take the work. But yeah, like yeah,
1: I like it's. I mean. I guess. Yeah. Um. But there, there does happen to be that kind of theme throughout, and that's not something I look for in particular when taking on projects. I would say the main thing I look for is just when clients come to me, the number one thing that hooks me is that they already have a clear sense of what the story is going to be. Yeah. Um. Just because that that's really all that matters at the end of the day. You can do all the coolest cuts in the world and all the transitions and effects and layers and weird color stuff but at the end of the day like it's all just flash if yeah the story doesn't mean anything yeah, it no substance. So, yeah. Perfect. that's yeah. what we need to look for in that's a piece by yeah. lindsay wilkins yeah
0: that's gonna finish it up here that was fantastic dun, dun, dun. can you Great uh, what's your at C- give me your give me your info on the web
1: okay what's so my my site is just my name lindsay wilkins l-i-n-d-s-a-y Wilkins. Dot site. Um, and then same for my Instagram. That's it. And forthcoming is going to be some some branding, oh. a little launch. Oh. Yes. Um, and I'm trying to actually currently figure out if I want to start running, thre- running things through my little company. Mm-hmm. Um, and like essentially working it as a, a small studio or if I want to keep up with my name and that's yes. something I'm trying to figure out. Cause yeah. right now people just know me by my name. Yes. Makes sense. Um, and I'm trying to figure out if it would translate for them to start looking for me by my company name. Yeah, sure. Um, so that's, that's forthcoming. I have some amazing headshots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Micah took them. Micah took them. Yeah. Who took those, who headshots? Took those headshots? That's headshots. right. Uh, So that's, that's coming up and my sister's doing some logo work for me and just trying to figure out how I want to, the challenge is that right now I've got my personal and my professional totally merged because Mm. it's just me. It's like my mind, you you know, it's like you don't have most, I mean, I guess that's why authors have like pen names, but you know, usually an author's putting out work under their name. So I'm trying to figure out if that's what I want to do or, uh, separate out so we'll see sweet yeah
0: lindsaywilkins.site yep lindsaywilkins on instagram Mm -hmm. all of her information is going to be in the description of whatever platform this is up on right now because i have not decided yet but it will definitely be on at least podcasts and spotify all right thank you guys for listening thank you lindsay for being here thanks for having me see you guys in the next one peace
1: bye